Hey everybody, this is David Leet, and welcome back to what is, I, I guess it would be the third iteration of Talking With My Mouthful, and that's just proof that you cannot keep a good podcast down. Yeah. And so we're calling this season three, for lack of a better term, if you will. And while some things have changed around here, some things have stayed the same, I am still your beloved co-host, and Adam Claremont of Overt Studios is still our engineer, but Adam, some things have changed with you, right? There's some interesting things that have happened in your career. Oh, have they? Tell me. Can I, can I tell them, please? I really want to tell them. I don't think I can stop you. Go for it. All right. Well, no, it's, I guess it's my podcast. You can't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Since we last got together, Adam has been attached to two, count them, two films that were nominated for Academy Awards for Best Picture. Nightmare Alley, which I, I enjoyed to a degree, but mm. the winner of the 2022 Awards for Best Picture, Coda. Yes. So congratulations on that. We are not worthy, Adam. We are not worthy to be in the same room with you. <laughs> you are, you are. And so congratulations on that, my friend. Thank you. But the real news, the news that trumps anything to do with the Academy Awards is Can I have- Can anything trump an Academy Award? <laughs> <laughs> you just heard, I have a new co-host. Now, our dear Renee Shetler has moved on to greener pastures, and we all wish her well in her new endeavors. And Renee, if you're hearing this, thank you for all those years of sitting beside me on this podcast and being a great co-host. But anyway, my new co-host is the always lovely, the always charming, the always informative, may I have a drum roll, please, Amy Traversa. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Welcome Yay. to the show, the Amy. always perky, Amy Trevor. <laughs> the always so. perky. Yes, you are, and you're always <laughs> laughing. You have such an infectious laugh. Do you know that? I've, you know, I've been told that I have a good laugh, and I have my mom's laugh. So I'm glad I have her laugh. It's a jolly laugh. <laughs> oh God! Now I feel so, I feel self conscious about laughing. <laughs> so, for those six people who are listening who don't know who you are, oh, why don't you tell our listeners yeah, a bit about yourself? Well, hello. I'm Amy Traverso. I've been a food writer for a while now, and I think I have the best job in the world. I co-host a public television show that we produce with WGBH. It's called Weekends with Yankee, and it's a New England travel and lifestyle show. But the Yankee refers to my primary job, which is the best job. I'm the senior food editor at Yankee Magazine, which some of you may know. We have a lot of readers actually outside of New England, but it is the kind of Bible of all things New England. It's been around for almost 90 years. Wow. And we cover everything from what's new to nostalgia, to travel, to storytelling. So that is just really fun. I do recipe development and I do storytelling. And then I wrote a cookbook called The Apple Lover's Cookbook. Which is a great um, cookbook, by the way. It's been a delight. It's been a delight to work on it. It's a very nerdy deep dive into everything Apple from varieties to what to do with them to their history and then lots of recipes. Now, if Amy's voice sounds familiar to some of you, it's because she was actually a guest on the show. The last iteration where she talked all about clam shacks, fried clams, mm -hmm. clam cakes, blueberry pie, all these classic, iconic New England foods. It was a great episode. Yeah. Everybody loved it. It's always fun. And we really enjoyed talking to each other and we found did. it to be very natural. And that's part of the reason that I turned to Amy when there was an available co-host seat because we 
really have this rapport on the show and we're just talking over each other about everything New England and about food and we love food. And I also was on, I always forget the name of that, your program that you had that was only audio. It's its a social media platform. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. For a few months at the end of the, well, at the end of the last wave of the pandemic, <laughs> yeah, the, I don't know the, where the, we are. The last wave time. Of, the, of the first pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing some clubhouse sessions clubhouse. and you hopped on. Yes. And that and was that, fun. That was fun for a couple months and then everybody was like, yeah, I'm we've done. had enough. Yeah. So let me ask you, Amy, since you have been a guest on the show, and of course I was on your clubhouse or in your clubhouse or part of your clubhouse, <laughs> and now you are the co-host, tell me, what was it that interested you in being part of the show? I love radio and podcasts. I mean, I love listening to them, yeah. but I also love doing them. Mm -hmm. I do a regular slot on GBH Radio's Callie Crossley show. We talk about food. I've just always loved this medium. Yeah. and. I enjoy being with you so much. We've actually taped a segment for my show Weekends with Yankees yes, together. Yes, we did. And every time we've gotten together, it's just been, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just can't stop talking. So it just felt right. And one of the amazing things, everyone, is when I was on her show, we shot, I think, like six hours or something like that. Amy did the entire day without a script which blows my mind. I have to have all of my notes, everything I'm saying in front of me. You just went the entire day talking to me, cooking with me, everything. No script. That blew my mind. Well, I do have an outline in my head of kind of the talking points that I have to hit. And, yeah. I, and I write it down and I reference it when we're filming. But I do think that is one of the areas of my life where I do achieve mindfulness, where <laughs> I'm so... Like every place we go, and in our case, we filmed in Fall River, Massachusetts yes, at Portuguese the cuisine. amazing... Yes. Portugalia Marketplace. Amazing. Oh, it's like the Italy for Portuguese yes, food. Yes, it is. It's so good. And so being there was so exciting and you just get caught up in... Because it's deeply interesting and I actually want to know all the questions I'm asking. And so it's being in that state of flow that's harder to achieve in your day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're doing laundry and juggling deadlines. That is fascinating what you just said because... I know when I travel and the one and I are eating at all these different restaurants, like when I was writing for Bon Appetit magazine and other places, there is that in the flow, in the moment, real heightened sensory experience. And it does feel very much like everything is shut out except what you're doing. And that yes. day when we shot at Portugalia, everything was alive inside of me. I was so excited. I mean, I wanted more screen time, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was just... It was really an amazing thing. So I think you hit upon an important point that I hope we talk about in the future, that gustatory sensory heightenedness when we have a great food or a great meal or we're in a great restaurant. Mm -hmm. Or in a new place. That is an interesting, interesting point, Amy. So one point for you so far. We're only 10 minutes into the podcast. So that's <laughs> excellent. So what else made you want to, oh, I don't know, come talk with me and be on the show and... Well, I love listening to long form podcasts and really good interviews. Yeah. And I like interviews that go a bit deeper and get into the real stuff of life that mm. makes life feel important and meaningful. And so I felt like you were a kindred spirit in that pursuit that mm -hmm. if we were interviewing people, we would be asking not just about the kind of how did you get to where you are yeah. and, you know, what's what it like being a blah, like? blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But kind of what it all means. Mm -hmm. And so that's my hope for what we're going to do in the coming episodes. And yeah. we've got some really interesting people that 
we're going to talk to. We do. Should we yeah. mention it now or should we tease at the end? Well, let's go a little longer. Let's okay. <laughs> so we're going to tease you. So you have to listen to who's going to be on the show. But you you raised, I think, a very, a very good point here. One of the things that you wanted to talk about at some point was how body image and food and sort of that social mediaized version of food is out there and, and how real or not real is that, which I think is fascinating. And I think it's something that really does need a deep dive at some point. Very I would love much. to spend some time on that because I think we ping wildly between food content that is very aspirational and pays mm -hmm. absolutely no mind to the fact that food is a form of medicine in some ways and definitely affects our bodies. Mm -hmm. We ping between that and toxic diet culture, which I'm working very hard to free myself from yeah, while too. also being mindful of my health. And it's really hard to thread that needle. Yeah. And food is a funny space to work in when you're trying to thread that needle. Yeah. And so I want to have a really good conversation about how do we not be completely oblivious to food and our health mm -hmm. without falling into the trap of diet culture and hating ourselves and yeah. all trying to fit into one body size and all of that good yeah, stuff. I think that's a really, a really important thing to cover at some point with, with food and the world that we're in. And also I think the social media ising of food is, although I'm on social media all the time, I try and break it up with things of my cat, Gracie, or, right. you know, dumb things that the one has done and I've done. So it's not just this constant food porn because I just think, I don't know what kind of message that eventually gives out. So it's something that I'm struggling with. So you might mm -hmm. hear us struggling on this show together, folks, as, as we talk about that. Okay, David, one thing I love to hear from mm -hmm. people, because I know your biography and I think a lot of your listeners know, but what's your food biography? What are the food experiences that shaped who you are as a food person? Very good. Oh, point number two. Doing great, Amy. <laughs> there are, I think there are a lot. And of course, coming from a Portuguese family is the major one. And being raised as a child in 1960s America, yes, folks, I am that old, 1960s America, and all these commercials on television for all this packaged food, and then I'm stuck with having to eat kale soup or purple octopus stew or this roast chicken that smothered with all these other things and fava beans and things that I didn't want to eat as a kid because I didn't see the Brady Bunch eating them. I didn't see, you know, the Partridge family eating this food. So I started out my early life hating being Portuguese. And then eventually when I was 32 or 33 years old and my grandmother passed away, that's when I really started embracing it. And then I realized how impactful being Portuguese was. And I look back on my childhood and I am so grateful for having those Sundays when you have 21 people at the table. Yes. I, and, yes. You know, and all those aunts, I write about this in my memoir, Notes on a Banana, a memoir of food, love, and manic depression available at your nearest bookstore, uh, <laughs> of how my aunts had their specialties and they would crouch down beside you with the seams of their dress stretching over their thighs as they really tried to get you to eat their food over their sister's food or over my mother's food because everyone's proud of what they had and what they had to bring to the table. And so that was a very important building block for me and the notion of family and the notion of food as comfort. So 
I think everyone has that to some degree. And of course, with I have a weight issue, so I turn to food whenever I need comfort. But food was always that warm blanket that was wrapped around us. And in the culture of Portuguese uh, and the Portuguese family makes it kind of a double, you know, squared thing. And then I think some of the other ones that are a little bit different was when I had a girlfriend in college. And yes, that's in the book too. And that's another story. <laughs> uh, her mom was just loved to dine out and she worked for a Broadway producer. So we would go to all these You found a girlfriend whose mother worked in Broadway. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Producer. And, uh, and I wanted to be an actor at that point, so it was perfect. And she, um, she would take it to these incredible restaurants. I had sweetbreads for the first time. I had foie gras for the first time. I had snails. I had quail. I had all this food. And my eyes just popped open to the fact that there is a different kind of cuisine. Because up to that point, it was always very homey. Portuguese food tends to be very peasant food, very comida povera, which means just, uh, you know, it's just very rustic. And so that was another eye-opener. And of course, when I first traveled to Europe and Asia and also even to Russia, my eyes also popped open. So those are the three big things I would say. What about you? What are your influences in your food biography? Uh, well, like you, I grew up in a big ethnic family. I had the Italian-American version uh -huh. of that with the Sunday dinners with, you know, 18 people around the table. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for those memories. And I actually feel sad that my 13-year-old doesn't. My 13-year-old my has other, they have other you know, kids of this generation have other memories, I think, mm -hmm. of food that will be very dear. But uh, we are definitely not providing the every Sunday at grandma's house But your experience. kid doesn't have a lot of cousins, right? No. Well, it has about five cousins, but, mm. you know, we live all over and yeah, it's I the modern life. Yeah, I had 21 in the same town, basically. Right, yeah. exactly. So, but but those memories, the the wine at the table, the homemade pasta, the, mm. you know, and also the shame, the like, the friends wrinkling their noses when they came over for dinner and we were yes. serving pesto before pesto was cool yeah. and it was like green spaghetti. What are you weird people <laughs> eating? Yeah. And, and also the American stuff, like my grandmother made her pesto with cream cheese instead of Pignoli nuts because those are really expensive. Yeah. And it was her like modern American woman thing, right? Like I'm modern. I'm not just this immigrant. Like yes. I can adapt. And so here's my American version. So I, all of that's super interesting. And for me, I, you know, as I was growing up, I was kind of always a questioner and I was moving away from my Catholic upbringing. And I, but I loved my family so much. And yeah. I figured out that food was a way to keep them and our tradition alive when I was leaving other ones. Mm. And so mm. that's kind of what made me want to be a food writer. And then I lived in New Mexico for a couple of years and the food culture there is amazing. Opened my eyes. I lived in San Francisco for a couple of years and that sort of California cuisine thing is, yeah. you know, I think influences how I approach New England cuisine. And moving to a city, I live in Boston and having the city lifestyle mm -hmm. and all that access to flavors definitely shaped the way I see food. And one of my missions is to really rewire how people perceive New England food. First yeah. of all, to kind of broaden, make the tent bigger of what is considered New England food, because yeah. it has been by definition fairly exclusionary, mm -hmm. but also to 
bring the fun back <laughs> to New England food because we know it can be fun. It is fun, yes. We love lobster rolls and whoopie pies and fried clams. We do. We do. <laughs> it's interesting so you it. say that because when I wrote the article for the New York Times about the fried clam trail and Pete Wells at that time was the head of the dining section, he said to me when we were talking about that article before I did it, he said, you know, we have Southern cuisine, we have Southwestern cuisine. You don't really have a cuisine in New England. And I was thinking, what are you talking that about? That is not true. Exactly. And I don't know if he comes from New England or not, but I'm like, no, I think we do. Very much. But I think part of it is we don't, it's not spread or shared outside of New England a lot of times, you know? Yeah. I think it got a lot of bad press as the land of the beans and the cod. Yes. And it's taking some time to move beyond that. But it's definitely not true. And have you ever had a Boston knish? No. And I heard you talk about this. What is a Boston knish? Do you know? I know exactly. <laughs> it contains all the yummy things, like all the yummy smoked meats really? and mustard. And it's unique to Boston. And it came out of the delis, like the B&D deli and all the old time delis. And these are foods that are particularly unique to a place. It is a cuisine. But what are the smoked meats inside this knish? Okay, I had it at Michael's Deli, and I can know there's like <laughs> pastrami <laughs> and c- corned beef. Uh-huh. And I would have to ask if there's any other, Others. but it's it's so wow, good. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's like a deli encased in pastry (laughs) that you get to eat. (laughs) It's a pastry encased deli. (laughs) That's fabulous. Obviously, there's a lot of rich area here to mine, and I hope that we do it more with each other and also with our guests because I think they're going to be bringing a lot of stuff to the table that we don't. We don't. Mm -hmm. And so should we now reveal who some of the guests are? Yeah. All right. So the next guest or our first guest is going to be, why don't you introduce her? Because I met her through you. Yeah. This is one of those people where I was like, yay, I'm doing a podcast. And now I have an excuse to meet her because I've been sort of admiring her. Her name is Christine Tobin and she's a food stylist who works in the movie business. So you have seen her food. If you most recently have been watching the HBO series, Julia, which is marvelous, you see her work. If you've seen Little Women, you've seen her work. She's trained as a fine artist. Mm -hmm. She went to art school and she figured out a way to combine her love of food and her love of art. And I'm so fascinated to hear how the sausage gets made, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how the Hollywood sausage gets made. Because when I was looking at Julia, I went back and looked at all the episodes again once I knew she was going to be on the show. There is a lot of food in some of those episodes. And it's her style. It's not, you know what I mean? Like Uh Julia had a look to her food and Christine really nailed it. Yes, she did. Because that queen of Sheba cake in the first episode, I mean, as soon as I saw that, when the episode was over, I went out, got the ingredients and I made it. And it is delicious. Hers looked better than mine, but it was delicious. (laughs) But the scene in Oslo where they do an overhead shot and they just pan down the table and there was soul and there were all these different things. It was so packed. And then I thought those actors get to eat all of this food. Maybe yes. it was sitting out for like days. Well, and days. yeah, Who that's knows? true. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, wow, she's really, there's a lot of food in this. Yeah. It, it was it was amazing. So I am really looking forward to her. And of course, yeah. what would it be if we did not invite our dear, beloved Dory Greenspan on the show? 
We I both love, love her, her so much. I know. And it's interesting. But everybody loves her. They, like, yeah. Uh, and and the, you had said a very interesting thing to me. And I, I always remember that. You said, it's amazing this woman has a house in Connecticut, a place in New York, and a place in Paris. And yet no one feels envious of her because she's so generous and wonderful. Remember you said that? I don't know how she does it. She's living the lifestyle that all of us would dream of. Yeah. But she is so genuine and humble and warm and generous Mm -hmm. that you cannot feel envy or resentment. You just feel joy because her joy, she telegraphs that out into the world and you catch it and you're like, this is so great. Whereas I admit I'm perfectly capable of being jealous little jerk. (laughs) And when some people have what I would love to have, I I never feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. So on Weekends with Yankee, she was on as a guest. What did you guys make? It was a cake. I know that. Yeah, it was a beautiful parsnip cake. So if you imagine a carrot cake, Mm -hmm. but made with parsnips and with sugared cranberries and this wonderful Mm. cream cheese frosting, and it was lovely and very holiday. It was such a thrill to be cooking with her in her kitchen. You looked like you were having a blast. I was loving every second, just absorbing and like, and in my head being like, okay, when can I come back here? Like, hmm, what would be a premise for me to spend more time with Dory? (laughs) It's trying to wriggle your way back into the house and using this show or the magazine as an excuse, right? (laughs) It really sounds like I'm having some stalker energy and I I don't, I don't want to do that because I have to just play it cool. I I have to play it cool when I'm with her. Meanwhile, one very cool person that we're going to have on is Dan Souza, who's the editor-in-chief of Cook's Illustrated Magazine. He's not just a great editor. What's Eating Dan? What's Eating Dan? Those are so yeah. good. Do you know that was nominated for a Webby Award? Wow. I'm not, yeah. so, I mean, he, it's, he's wonderful. it's a great series. Yeah, I he's terrific. Him. And then also Kenji Lopez-Alt. Of course, everyone knows Kenji. He'll be coming on talking about the wok and wok cooking, which will be a lot of fun. And we also want to bring you weekly food finds, things we ate, things we discovered, trends. Things we cooked. Yes. Uh, books we read, shows we watched. For example, I just watched, finally watched Fantastic Fungi. I thought it was incredible on Netflix. It's been out for a little while, but wow, you have to watch that. And that's about mushrooms when she said i just watched fantastic fun guy i thought she said it was a show about a fantastic fun guy a guy who was fun it's like set in a club you know no it's amazing and they do these incredible if nothing else the time-lapse photography of mushrooms emerging from the earth is totally worth watching and then we're really going to be focusing on home cooks that's really where you are our audience and that's what we want to focus on And of course, there'll always be questions and answers. So we really want to know your questions. What's bugging you? What's not working? Because then we can have you on the show. And don't you want to be a star? I do, certainly. (laughs) I'm ready for my (laughs) close-up. So please send us your questions. We really want to interact. We want this to be a two-way conversation. Very much three so. Three-way? Is that three-way? Because we already have I guess kind that of is a, a menage a trois. Yeah, yeah we're the menage two-way. A trois. We want this to be a menage a trois exactly. for you. Exactly. We really do. And maybe even, even a group group, a group situation <laughs> if we get more than one person <laughs> on the line at the same time. So, Amy, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for joining me on the show. And thank you for joining me on this episode. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And now, where can we find you again for those people who want to know? 
Well, you can read me in Yankee Magazine. Mm-hmm. You can find me, I'm at Amy Traverso on all the social media platforms. But most excitingly, the current episode, season six of Weekends with Yankee is airing all over the country, 49 states, everything except Hawaii, which is understandable. <laughs> it's a little far away. And you and I are on I an episode this season. So keep your eyes peeled. Check your local listings to find out when it's airing near you. This podcast was produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the Oscar adjacent, <laughs> Adam Claremont. <laughs> you can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to subscribe to Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear and want to support us, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. The powers that be need to hear from you by subscribing, and that will keep the show on the air. And if you'd like to leave Amy and me a recorded question or compliment, because we do love compliments, visit our podcast page at leit.es forward slash chat. Press and talk away, and maybe you'll be featured on the show. Ciao. Thanks, everybody. Oh, you got to get a better sign off. Thanks, everybody. I don't know. I you feel really, so I mean, she had bon appetit. I have chow. Okay, Thanks, I gotta everybody. think about it. I, I know it's so vanilla. And if you'd like you to feel, le- <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I feel what? Do you feel like it's not okay to ask for compliments? Maybe David? I think I think it? I have an issue with the attention. <laughs> I don't being think he feels that at all. Actually. <laughs> <laughs>